Abandon all prejudices, all ye who enter here. Park your paradigms, perk up your ears, and open your mind, as we now shine the laser light of reason on the topic of the propaganda war that is now raging. Hello, I'm David Bolton, and welcome to my podcast channel dedicated to helping people think more clearly, make sounder judgments, avoid superficiality, and above all, to unceasingly question instead of naively accepting what others want us to believe, for this is the path of Socrates. My friends, we have been at war for a number of years now, whether you know it or not. But it's not the old type war, it's the new type war. General Michael Flynn wrote a book about that, I think it's called Fifth Generation Warfare, I haven't read it yet. A couple of Chinese colonels from Red China back in the late 90s wrote a book about what the next world war would be like. And guess what they wrote? They said the next war is going to be one that most people don't even realize is going on. They said it's going to be economic warfare. It's going to be propaganda warfare. It's going to be bio warfare. One thinks of COVID and made in that lab in Wuhan, China. Uh, one thinks of the jabs. Okay, right. Uh, it's going to be all types of warfare, but it's going to be done in such a way that most people won't even realize is going on. That's what we're engaged in now. And we should see that very clearly. And that has consequences. In order to understand what's going on, how can I put this? Um, you have to have a little bit of imagination. You have to get out of your box. When people think war, they think bombs are dropping and people are shooting each other in the streets. One, one side is taking the other side and sending the tanks in. Well, that's kinetic warfare. In propaganda warfare, things are different. But you do have weapons. Now, let me ask you, what are the weapons in propaganda warfare? By the way, if you haven't noticed... <laughs> that this propaganda warfare is going on, uh, you're not following anything. <laughs> Seriously. The one side totally trying to destroy Trump, Trump fighting against the other side, well, Trump and what we call the patriots. The patriots are those who respect the Constitution and respect the American Republic and want it to be restored to its full glory or maybe even have its full glory for the first time because it's been derailed on a number of occasions and going in wrong directions. But a patriot can be defined as someone who respects the constitution of their country and wants to uphold it. And that's not the left, people. That's not the left. You notice the left, never they never use the word republic. Even though the United States is a republic, they use the word democracy. There's a big difference between republic and democracy. The founding fathers overwhelmingly did not want a democracy. They wanted a republic. It has democratic elements, the voting, so that's democratic. But America is not a democracy. The republic, that's based on the Constitution, and that has to be respected. I won't get into that theme now. I'll save that for another episode. As far as the propaganda war is concerned, what are the weapons, I ask you once again, in a propaganda war? What do you think? Any ideas? Uh, uh, well, you might think, oh, well, maybe the news. Well, you have the news on TV. 
but let's make it more general. The weapons in a propaganda war are anyone who influences anyone else and who is representing one side or the other. Got that? Let's look up an official definition of propaganda. It's always good to define your terms. Socrates always said that, define your terms. You can often hear conversations where two people are talking about something, but they haven't defined the terms. And so you're talking about two different things. They're talking right past each other. That's why it's important to know what you understand by a certain term. Propaganda, here you go. This is from Oxford Languages. Information, especially of a biased or misleading nature, used to promote a political cause or point of view. For example, he was charged with distributing enemy propaganda. Or two, oh, no, that, that, that's, that, that's not appropriate here. It's a committee of cardinals, Roman Catholic Church, responsible for foreign missions. Uh, that's a totally different meaning there. But here's another one. The spreading of ideas, information, or rumor for the purpose of helping or injuring an institution, a cause, or a person. Or ideas, facts, or allegations spread deliberately to further one's cause or to damage an opposing cause. Also, a public action having such an effect. Let's get the nitty gritty here. In a kinetic war, you have weapons that everybody recognizes. On the smallest scale, you have a K-bar, one of those knives the military uses, maybe a bayonet, for example. You have small arms, maybe sidearm. Somebody carrying his larger weapon, Vietnam War, M16, World War uh, II, the M1, the Garand standard rifle. Uh, but some at their side would carry a 45 pistol as well, just in case you lose your, your rifle. Uh, all those weapons shoot bullets, of course. But you have other weapons. You have tanks, for example. <laughs> Soldiers on the ground sure are afraid of tanks, and for good reason. But then you have dive bombers that can take out the tanks. Then you have big bombers, World War II, the B-17, for example, that dropped thousands of bombs on Germany, and that's even bigger. The but the weapons are one thing. The ammunition is something else. Uh, an M-16 is a weapon, but if it has no bullets, it's no good at all. So let's distinguish here the weapon and the ammunition. And now let's continue with my analogy to propaganda warfare. I'll put it this way. Anybody that uses propaganda is a propagandist, obviously, and is a weapon in a war of propaganda. Just as in a kinetic war, each side needs its small arms, needs its larger machine guns, needs its artillery of all sizes, needs its tanks, needs its bombers, its battle helicopters, all these things. In a propaganda war, what you need are, your weapons are, influencers. You all know that word. When I first heard that word, it was in Spain, because I, I've lived since 1976, really, in other countries. Didn't get back to the States all that often, once a year at most. And I first heard the word influencers spoken in English, really, by Spanish people. I said, what's that? That was years ago. They said, oh, people on the internet that have influence, they have a million followers or a hundred thousand, whatever. People that influence, with well, the influences of all sizes, of course. 
we never see, I don't remember calling people like Anderson Cooper, Tucker Carlson 10 years ago influencers, but they were. We just didn't call them that, I don't believe. And certainly not in my childhood, ever talk about influencers. Influencers, though, are all of these people. I would be the equivalent of a, of a knife. <laughs> Bayonet, maybe. Because I don't have too much of a following yet. And so, yeah, I do what I can. But I'm not exactly a propagandist. I'm not exactly in that category. Because if you look at the definition, the spreading of ideas, information, or rumor for the purpose of helping or injuring an institution, a cause, or a person. Ideas, facts, or allegations spread deliberately to further one's cause or to damage an opposing cause. What I try to do is get the truth out there as I see it. And I'm always open for debate. I'm always open for counter ideas. Let's talk about it. So I'm not really a propagandist, but in a propaganda war, you need propagandists. They are your weapons. You have the people that have some really small podcast channel, and they have 10 listeners or 100 or whatever. Well, they're the equivalent of knives that a soldier might carry. Then you have some that are bigger. Well, they might have 10,000. Well, that's maybe somebody with a mounted machine gun, for example. Then you have some with 100,000. Well, there you have a tank. And some with 500,000 million, well, there you have a really effective bomber. You see my analogy, how it's going. But all these weapons need ammunition. The ammunition is what these influencers say. In other words, Tucker Carlson is simply Tucker Carlson. He's a weapon because of the millions that listen to him. But his ammunition is what he says. Let's look at Tucker Carlson and how he was so ignominiously fired from Fox News. I laughed about that. Not because I don't like Tucker Carlson, because I do. But let me tell you, I would say, I would estimate, this is just intuitively here, with 95% certainty, if not 99% certainty, I never say 100%. You can't be totally sure of anything, especially not these years. Tucker Carlson was not fired because of something with Dominion and da da He was not fired by Fox News. This is part of the propaganda war. I've told people for a few years now, Tucker Carlson is working with the alliance. Okay, in any war, you have two sides. In the Korean War, what do you have? The United States and a whole group of UN countries against North Korea, and then against communist China as well. And there's always a danger that the Soviet Union would enter. In World War II, we had the United States and Britain, uh, and a few others against Japan, and they were also against Germany. Uh, you could recognize the two sides. Here the two sides are, and I'm putting it as succinctly and as clearly as possible. There's the deep state, and if you think that's some kind of strange, weird conspiracy theory, you don't know what you're talking about. You're not thinking clearly. I always tell people, go back and listen to the speech that President Eisenhower gave just before he left office, his farewell speech to the nation. I believe that was January 17th, 1961. Kennedy was inaugurated on the 20th of January, 61. It was a few days before Kennedy's inauguration. And Eisenhower talks about the military-industrial complex, and he spends time, it wasn't just mentioned one time, he goes, he mentions a few sentences there, talking about the danger of the military-industrial complex. And I point out the fact that if Ike Eisenhower saw that danger as so important that he warns the nation as his final word to the country, you know that was a big danger. And Eisenhower was no wild-eyed conspiracy theorist. 
for him, that wasn't a conspiracy theory. It was a conspiracy fact because he knew these people existed. Go back and listen to that speech. It's on YouTube. Get the text to it and read it carefully then, what he says. Today, it's not about, not, we don't call that the military-industrial complex. If we want to put it in the terms Eisenhower would have used if he lived today, he would have to say the military, industrial, economic, media, pharmaceutical complex. And that's a pretty long term to use. So we wrap it up by saying the deep state. In other words, the forces behind the powers, behind the elected officials. And anybody who thinks they don't exist uh, is a total fool. Now, I don't like to insult people. When I say fool, I don't, I'm not trying to insult. I'm not saying they're, they have a low IQ. You can have a very high IQ and be a total fool. Foolishness is the opposite of wisdom. We have intelligence or that lack thereof, say very low IQ. But you can have just an average IQ, maybe even a low IQ, and still be wise somehow. You don't have to be a fool. On the other hand, I've met people with high IQs and been total fools. Think about that. Fool here means someone stupid that is lacking in common sense and good judgment. That's one of the definitions of stupid. Fool is related to the French word fool. Uh, and so, yeah, there is a connection there. Look that word up and note the connection. Look up the etymology. I don't want to get into the entire etym etymology of that. But believe me, there is a connection. Uh, it comes from a crowd in French. <laughs> Fool, the crowd. Wisdom of the crowd, foolishness of the crowd. The crowd has both, actually. Uh, it's really the French word fou, which means crazy. A fool isn't necessarily crazy, but they're lacking wisdom. They lack common sense and good judgment. If you think the deep state doesn't exist, you're fooling yourself. It does exist, and now it's stronger than ever. Evidence for that is one of the natural laws of life. Life always strives to get stronger and strives to keep living. If it doesn't, it declines, becomes suicidal in one way or another. And life never stays the same. So if the deep state existed and was so strong, so important, that Eisenhower had to warn us, the nation, then you can be sure that it was a serious problem then. And because all entities strive to become stronger, the deep state was no exception. That is the military-industrial complex. They got stronger and stronger and stronger until the point where they're so strong they're controlling practically everything worldwide. Now we get to the other side, represented by Donald J. Trump. I don't say the other side, Donald J. Trump. Let's face it, Trump could drop dead at any moment. I don't mean because he's murdered, though he could be. Uh, he's 70, what, 76 years old, have a heart attack, a stroke or whatever. People just tend to die sometimes. Maybe the stress... What that man's going through is like he, he can take stress 100 times more than the average person, but we all have our limits. Don't worry about that. If he does drop dead, you people who like Trump, I guarantee you the alliance has a plan B. Ever think about that? People put all their hopes on Trump. Oh, if Trump dies, what happens? They kill him? What are we going to do then? No, no. That's, that's being a little foolish. Believe me, the alliance has a plan. If something happens to Trump... They have a plan B. 
And guess what? They have a plan C too. How do I know this? How do I know this? Oh, do you think I'm connected to the Q group as for example, 107 almost definitely is? Or do you think I'm getting calls from whistleblowers like maybe uh, Simon Parks is or some of the other, these other people, Michael Jaco, whatever. Nah, I'm too small for that, so to speak. They don't know who I am, at least not yet. So how do I know that? Am I psychic? Uh, well, maybe a little psychic ability, but I've never seen it in this area. I don't need psychic ability. I know that the Alliance has a plan B and a plan C, probably DEF as well. Because if I were in the Alliance, if I were in the Q group, for example, or related there too, and I've been planning all this take back of our country, take it back from the deep state, I would say, hey guys, we need a plan B, a plan C, and a D. And I'm not so vain as to think, I know better than the Alliance. Sometimes you hear people say, the Alliance should do this, and they should step in, they should, the military should show its face right now. I'm sorry, but that's a bit foolish because if any one individual thinks that they can make such a judgment, talk about backseat driving, let me guarantee you the Alliance has teams of geniuses working for them that have planned this for years. And anything you can think of, you think, well, maybe they should do this. I guarantee you they've thought of that possibility. I guarantee it. I would bet everything I own on that. Any takers here? Well, how will we find the proof? That would be a difficulty there. And I'm not a gambling man in general. But what I mean is, I guarantee you, they've thought of these things. And if the military isn't stepping in officially, it's because they, they with, all, with near certainty, they know it's, not, it's best not to do so yet. Why? Because if I were in one of those groups, one of those strategic groups, I would study the problem from all angles and I would calculate probabilities, say, okay, not time to step in yet. Now, I don't know why they're not doing it yet. That I don't know. But I know they've thought it through better than any one of us ever could because their entire teams of geniuses working on this. And so in that, we have to have faith that they're doing what's best. I really do think they're doing what's best and that nobody should play the backseat driver here. But you hear it all the time. And I understand it comes from a place of fear. Let me throw in a, a tidbit of wisdom here. Fear is about the worst counselor you could ever have. If you want to know what to do, don't ask your fear nature. Don't say, well, what should I do? Don't, don't judge from a place of fear because you're going to go wrong. You have to learn to put your fears and your great hopes and ecstatic wishes aside and look at the things the way they are, or at least seem to be, and that should be an evolving picture. That should be constantly evaluating the evidence, constantly searching for evidence. Don't get stuck in one line of belief and think, this is the way it is, especially not now. You're going to end up in a place of foolishness. And don't judge when you're in a state of fear at all. And don't presume to know what the Alliance should do. Be humble there, because I guarantee you, no matter who you are, you cannot judge as well as the Alliance. Keep in mind, did you see the emergence of Jan Halper Hayes just a month ago? This woman who says she works for the DOD. Some say, oh, a contract for DOD, but she said she works for the DOD. Yeah, for the real DOD. That's the second Trump administration, by the way. Won't get into that now. The evidence there is overwhelming. Most people, even Trump supporters, don't see it. 
I can talk about that another time and in great detail, uh, enough that should convince anybody of reason. I won't get into that yet. But this woman comes forward, says she works for the DOD, and I didn't hear anybody in the Biden administration negating that, did you? Oh, no, I didn't either. And she works in a committee of 12 people. And what they do is, she's a very fine psychologist, they study all the time the trends of the masses, psychological trends of the masses. Interesting, uh, I, t I was telling people two and a half years ago, I said the Alliance has teams of people that are studying the psychology of the masses on a daily basis. How did I know that? Once again, I'm using psychic ability? No. Do I have some insiders telling me that? Somebody whispering in my ear, sending me messages? Yes, David, I want to tell you what the Alliance is. No, no, they, these people don't know I exist. I knew it because that's what I would do. And I'm no fool in such things. I would have made a great detective, but I didn't go that path in life. The only thing is when I arrive at a scene, you see somebody just had their throat cut. I'd say, what am I doing this job for? <laughs> so depressing. <laughs> so maybe I'm not made up to be a detective. Maybe somebody who works behind the scenes. But I knew they had their teams of experts because that's what I would do. That's what you have to do. You have to do that because we're in a propaganda war. The weapons, once again, are the influencers. What they say, that's the ammunition. Put these glasses on. Put that lens on, because here's the, the role of imagination. People say, oh, you have too much imagination. Well, yeah, there are people with too much imagination. Those people who talk about the flat earth, for example. Uh, well, I'm sorry, folks, you have too much imagination. You're ignoring concrete evidence to the contrary. You don't even want to see evidence to the contrary. I know because I know some people who believe in flat earth. Whenever I present concrete evidence, they change the subject. And that says, oh, you have to. No, uh, I won't get into that subject now. I could go into it in great detail. Uh, some people are in the wrong path there. Okay, we all make mistakes. But, but anyway, uh, imagination is important. It's vitally important. But imagination must always be tempered, be modified, be controlled by sound reasoning and whenever possible, also by evidence. Remember that. Imagination in judging the situation now in the world, judging practically anything, imagination is tremendously important, but it must always be tempered by sound reasoning and by evidence. If you ignore the sound reasoning and evidence, you're going to go down wrong paths. You can be one of those crazy conspiracy theorists. Notice how I, uh, how I enunciate that. I don't say crazy conspiracy theorists. There's nothing wrong with being conspiracy theorist. Even Tucker Carlson hasn't gotten that message. You'll say things like, well, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but look, whenever you don't know something for sure, but sound reasoning and or evidence points in a direction of a conspiracy, then you, you may develop theories. You may develop three or four theories. And that's not crazy. That's, that's what every detective does, by the way. Any detective that's successful must do that. You must use your imagination, but it's, you must base it on or temper it with evidence and sound reasoning. There's nothing wrong with being conspiracy theorist unless there's too much imagination there and no sound reasoning and no evidence. Ah, then you're a, a weirdo conspiracy theorist. Okay. It's like talking about people with an opinion. Who would say, Oh, he's, he, he's one of those people with opinions. Nobody would say that. It depends on what the opinion is. And the same with conspiracy theory. I don't like it when, when words or terms are used uh, misleadingly. Since when did the term conspiracy theorist come to mean somebody who's half crazy? What well, started in the 60s, and that was a, a program by the CIA 
by these masters of conspiracies so that people wouldn't continue investigating. They know the human mind. They know the power of the herd mentality. So they put these things out. Oh, that it wasn't just Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh, they're conspiracy theorists. And then they get all the sheep saying, oh, look at that. He's saying, uh, he's saying that, that 9-11 was an inside job. Oh, a conspiracy theorist. That's not the meaning of a conspiracy theorist. There's nothing wrong with being a conspiracy theorist. And how many conspiracy theories have turned out to be true? Well, should we start with COVID maybe? Uh, uh, that's going to kill two or three percent of the population when, in fact, in the first year when we just had COVID and no vaccines, that the excess death rate was about the same as in 2017 before COVID. Did you know that? Did you know that? 2017, well, there are people dying seasonal flu. It was an especially bad year for seasonal flu. But the death rate of all in the COVID year, 2020, was about the same as 2017. Uh, they weren't telling us that, were they? But I had the imagination to think, well, in 2020, I was thinking, let's see how many people are really dying extra, you know, the excess death rate. And I found a site that gave the death rates every month for every country. And I saw, wait a minute, this is like 2017. Why weren't other people doing that? It wasn't that hard to do. It's not nuclear physics. But no, because they were just controlled by fear. Oh, COVID is going to kill 3% of us, maybe more. Get that shot so you don't kill my grandmother even though they believe at the same time the shots are safe and effective, then if your grandmother has the shot and you do, why the hell should I get it? But these people can't think straight because they're, they're obtaining their counsel from a place of fear, as I said, right? So imagination's not bad. It's good. We need imagination, but it must be tempered by sound reasoning and by evidence. I'm going to give a talk just about that theme someday. I have a list of 1,200 things to talk about. Pardon me if it's taking too long. I don't feel like doing a podcast episode every day. I have other things to do. Okay, the propaganda war we're in now. Tucker Carlson is one of the most powerful weapons of the Alliance. He's working with the Alliance. I'm not saying he's in the Q group. He's almost certainly not. But the Q group, some say it might only have seven or eight people in it. That's the nucleus. Trump is almost certainly a member of that group. Trump is still president, by the way. Okay, you might say, oh, he's crazy. No, no, I can, I'm, I've started a series on that, President Trump. I think I've put out two episodes by now. That's going to be more episodes. The, the evidence is overwhelming. People don't see it. The left doesn't want to see it, and so they're not open for the evidence. And the right is too afraid, and they think, well, no, everything's going so badly, he can't be president. They're mistaken. Trump is president in the second term, but we're under, we're in a state of emergency, and that's verifiable. We're still in a state of emergency going back to 2018. The military is, is in charge, basically. Others have said that. Derek Johnson has pointed that out again and again, and some people still don't listen to him. I recognize that before Derek Johnson appeared, you put the pieces together. I knew about Executive Order 13848. To look it up in the Federal Registry, Executive Order 13848. Actually read it through and see some of the things in there. And then go to Derek Johnson's site. I forget the name of it now. And look at all these documents he presents, official documents. Put the pieces together. But once again, we're in a propaganda war. What's the goal? President Trump told you this in his inauguration speech on January 20th, 2017. Watch that speech at YouTube. I did a podcast episode on that. That's the 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 President Donald Trump, the President Trump, the first of the series. That's already up in Spotify. Look it up. Because there 
I give the link to that speech of Trump. I think it's one minute, 24 seconds, where President Trump, he's speaking. And then I believe it's eight military personnel, one from the Navy, from the Army, from every branch of the service, come out and stand in two lines behind him. Now, the New York Times said, oh, that was a mistake, which is totally ridiculous. The military didn't make mistakes like that. If all of a sudden, you know, how would eight people from all the branch of the military just happen to think, I'm going to put on my best dress uniform and go out, stand behind President Trump? The Secret Service wouldn't let him do it if it's not part of the, the schedule. They wouldn't let him do it. It was not a mistake, but they come out and stand behind Trump only for about a minute, long enough for him to say one sentence. I, I'm paraphrasing here. He says, we, we are going to give the power back to you, the people. We're going to take the power from those crooks in Washington, if I get the terminology, is from those politicians in Washington, and we're going to give it back to you, the people. After he said that sentence, he starts another sentence. Then another military man comes out and whispers something to one of those people there, one of those uh, military people, and they all turn around and leave. You don't think that meant something? He was announcing to the world, deep state, be on alert, we're coming for you. And he always said, we're going to drain the swamp. Remember he said that in his campaign? We're going to drain the swamp. I thought he meant, well, get rid of some crooked politicians. Oh no, it was much greater. What he was saying is, we're going to destroy the deep state. The swamp is not just in D.C., it's all over the world. And, the and this alliance is international. What he was saying is, we're going to destroy the deep state. What Eisenhower warned you about, we're going to destroy. Still don't believe me? There was a, a Republican, in the Republican primaries, there was a debate. When Trump first got into that race, remember he got in later than some of the others. And Jeb Bush, the Bush family, hates Trump. I wonder why. Well, because they're deep state. I know that now. I didn't know that back then. Jeb Bush says something very cryptic to him. He says, well, no, he... he evokes a cryptic response from Trump, to put it in a more precise way. Jeb Bush says, look, you're a businessman. You're not a politician. Who's going to vote for you? Who's going to support you? And Trump says, well, 200 generals support me. <laughs> wow. You get, you get that? And what does that mean, you think, 200? Okay, 200 votes. Oh, no, 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 my friends. No, no. It has been rumored for a long time now that after Kennedy was assassinated, the original Q group formed. And that was a secret group of, of generals that had vowed that they were going to start working to, to take down this military industrial complex. They knew it was going to take a long time, maybe decades. It's taken 60 years. <laughs> 60 years, imagine that. I'm 67. I mean, this, I remember the, the assassination of Kennedy. It was, this group was led by 200 generals. When Trump said that, Jeb Bush didn't push the issue. He knew what Trump meant. He knew that. Trump was saying, well, the good guys are against the deep state. The general, and like, as Derek Johnson points out, 200 generals isn't 200 people. A general will typically command a division. There's usually at least six or 7,000 soldiers or Marines or whatever. So you take that 200, multiply it by you know, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10,000. And you get an idea of how strong that is. And by now, they say that group is more than 200 generals. Trump was giving us a calm. He's giving us a clue. 200 generals support me. I thought it strange in 2017 when I wasn't totally awake. Yet. I didn't like Trump at first. I liked him better than Hillary Clinton, but I, I didn't like him. I thought, how, how America is degenerated. 
that there were a choice between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Boy, did I wake up when I saw the things he was doing and when I started learning about what's really behind this. The military selected Trump, and this I'm not the first one to say this, they selected Trump to be the front man, so to speak, for this phase in human history. They need somebody strong. They could take abuse like you, you wouldn't believe, but there was a good patriot, and that is Donald Trump. No matter what you think of personally, I don't have to like a president personally. He could be a great president. Maybe personally he's not so good. I don't care. Uh, they say that Trump is not an unreasonable. If you talk to him personally, he's a really a kind person, but you won't hear that on CNN now, will you? <laughs> Surely you won't. So Trump was announcing with a 200 generals remark, I'm here and my allies is basically the Q group, the original Q group and what's become of it now, how it's grown. And we're going to take down the deep state. This is why the Bushes hated him. This is why so many Republicans hated him, Mitt Romney. Or, or the Bush family, all these deep state creatures, Mitch McConnell, the rhinos, all of these people who are deep state creatures, and Democrats are even more deep state creatures, it would seem. Not all of them, though. I'm telling you, Tulsi Gabbard is not a deep state creature. She uh, Remember when she kind of retired from politics a little after that election? She said, well, I'm not going to run again. I'm gonna, this was around, uh, what, uh, January 2021, after the election fraud. And she kind of got out of the whole scene. My wife said, oh, that's a shame that she, she was so impressive, she was so good. I said, well, you know what's happening. My wife said, what? I said, she's a good Democrat. She's a good person. You can see it in her face. And she knows what's going on. She knows the military's behind this. She knows we're going to a difficult phase. As a Democrat, she cannot start talking about election fraud. And it's better for her just to get out of the scene. But I predicted she will be back. Just wait. Remember when she started appearing again, like six months ago or whatever, and talking like a Republican, like a, a a Trump-supporting Republican. That is, talk about the Constitution and such things, how she's ashamed of the Democratic Party. My prediction came true. She has come back. And I'll make another prediction about her. I'm talking now on September 29th, uh, 2023. She could play a big role in the future because she's one of the good Democrats, and both parties have good people. The fact they haven't spoken up more, uh, don't, take, don't be too hard on them for that. People came to the conclusion, look, the election fraud, it may be only one or two Republicans to talk about. The others are silent, so they're all paid off by the deep state. I thought, no way. You have hundreds of people in Congress and the Senate, like 430 some in the Congress and 100 senators. No way all of those people are traitors. No, nope. No way they're all being blackmailed. No way they all fell into a honey pot trap and they're all being blackmailed. No, because even... If that happened to all of them, there'd be some that would stand up and think, I don't care what happens to me. I don't care if I'm ruined and my wife leaves me. I'm not going to see the public go down the drain. You always have good people, and in both parties. And there are good people among Democrats and good people among Republicans. However, all of those good people, and I'll say this with near certainty, were informed by the military what's going on. And they had to sign an NDA, non-disclosure agreement. They had to swear they're not going to reveal it. And if they do, they go to Guantanamo because the country is in a state of emergency. And all the Democrats, including Nancy Pelosi, if she's still alive, Chuck Schumer, including you know, the, the bad ones from the Trump side, the bad ones, or the Rhino Republicans, they know what's going on. But at the same time, they were told, you just attack Trump as much as you want, because that's part of it. I won't get into the psychology there. I'll get into that in another episode. The psychology of the masses, how that works, and how that works when connected to propaganda warfare. But 
as far as the propaganda war itself and the weapons and the ammunition. Tucker Carlson is one of the biggest weapons they have, the alliance. Joe Rogan is another one. Some have suggested that Joe Rogan, who had, for years seemed to be against Trump, that that was fake. He did that to pull in people that don't like Trump so later he can put them down the correct path. I believe that's true. That's the type of thing you do in propaganda war, and people don't realize it. Sure, I've read The Art of War, Sun Tzu, you know, that sort of thing. I'm not an expert on these things, but I seem to, maybe in a past life I was, I don't know, but I have an intuitive understanding of these things, and I'm seldom wrong. And my method is simply, if I were in the alliance, what would I be telling them to do? I do the same thing with the other side. If I were a deep state advisor, would I tell them to put up a statue of a demonic-looking dragon in front of the UN like they did a couple of years ago? Remember that? That suddenly, someday, out of nowhere, a demonic-looking dragon statue, pretty big, you can't carry that in a pickup truck, appears in front of the UN. And all of a sudden, you know, Twitter, everyone's saying, look at that, the UN, they're admitting that they're Satanists, etc. I laughed. My wife said, why are you laughing? This is pretty bad. They're admitting that they're evil. I said, no, they're not. They would never do that. They're not retarded. The deep state people, they're, geni they're evil geniuses. Geniuses, but evil geniuses. They're not going to do that. That was put up by the Alliance. They appear one night, maybe three in the morning, maybe after cordoning off the area. If there are any guards of the UN, you can't put that up. Then some Marine puts a gun to his head and says, you shut up now. And they put up that statue of the demonic dragon. And the next day it's there and it becomes viral through Twitter. And then what's the, always look at the effect in a propaganda war. The specific news really doesn't even matter that much. I can't get that through people's heads for some reason. What matters is the effect. The effect of that, and that was just a minor incident in everything we've seen in these few years. But what was the effect? It went viral. And people said, oh my God, that's, not, that's an ugly dragon. It looks like a demonic dragon in front of the UN. That's their new symbol. Oh my God, these people must be evil. That's the effect that was desired. And believe me, it wasn't the deep state saying, now we're going to advertise that we're evil. The deep state's not foolish. These are evil geniuses, people. They wouldn't do that. But the other side, they would do that. And this is a little piece of evidence that the other side, the alliance, was even in control two years ago. And they're still in control. There's much more evidence, but people don't see it. Always look at the effect. In a propaganda war, the only thing that matters is the effect. I'll give you an example from history. I've always read history. I don't. I can't name all the kings of England, something like that. That's. Uh, I can tell you something about them, but uh, not all of them. But I like history for the lessons it teaches us. There's frankly nothing better to learn. You can learn what are the limits of human beings. What are they capable of in positive and negative sense? Or the masses, what are they capable of? You can learn so much about people and about yourself even by reading history. Let's go back to World War II. There was this information put up at the Allies that Hitler was a sexual pervert. And I mean he got into disgust, disgusting things I wouldn't even mention in this podcast episode. Okay, I don't think he was a pedophile. These days we would call him a pedophile because that's the worst people imagine. No, it was all really disgusting sexual practices. And so you know, we thought, oh, no, not only is he an evil dictator, but he's also a total pervert. Oh, God, how I disdain that person. But later, I remember about 15, 20 years ago, I saw a German woman historian who studied Hitler's life. She wasn't a neo-Nazi or anything, but she said, yeah, of course Hitler was bad, but there's no evidence whatsoever he was a total degenerate pervert doing all these disgusting things. It was all allied propaganda. 
In other words, they were lying to the people. The Americans were lying to the people. The British were lying to the people. Of course, because also in a kinetic war, when they're actually shooting all the time or dropping bombs, you also have propaganda warfare, and that's part of the propaganda warfare. It's one thing if the masses, of course, they feared Hitler, who a dictator that rose to power so quickly. Even Churchill was amazed. Around 1935-36, he wrote some articles saying, it's amazing what he's achieved in only two or three years. He went on to say, well, he can only do it because he's a dictator. Because in a parliamentary system like ours in England, you have to debate endlessly. And so nothing gets done for a long time. And a dictator, so the dictator says, this is what we're doing. And if it's a good idea, it's going to be done in no time. So Churchill was amazed at what Hitler could achieve. Not that he liked Hitler. He certainly did not. But as far as the masses were concerned, for example, in England, uh, with the, the Hitler's bombing raids on England and sending the V2, the, the rockets there, V1, V2, to bomb London, the Londoners were terrified. They thought Hitler was going to stage an invasion. Well, until the, uh, the, the Royal Air Force got control of the skies. And, and Churchill made his famous quote of never have so many owed so much to so few because what those pilots did was totally remarkable, how so many sacrificed themselves to protect their island from, from being taken over totally by the Nazis. But then if your people just fear the enemy, they might not be the best part. You should make your enemy look ridiculous as well. So they laugh about your enemy. Laughter, you see, alleviates fear. If you're totally afraid of somebody, then you could just want to panic and run and give up. But if you can laugh at them, you say, well, yeah, he might be scary, but he's not so tough because he's a degenerate. We're going to go get him. You see what I mean? That's the effect of propaganda. And that's why these lies are put out. That was a total lie. There's no evidence that Hitler was totally deranged in the most disgusting practices imaginable. There's no evidence for that. It was a lie, propaganda lie. Another one, and once again from the Allies, because of course the Germans had their propaganda too, in World War I, some Canadian ex, I don't know, what minister of whatever, he admitted that they spread a rumor that in World War I, when the Germans, if you know your history, went through Belgium to attack France. And the stories in the Western press were that the Germans are making a game of throwing Belgian babies up there and, and catching them on their bayonets, just for the fun of it. It was a total lie. But this minister, a couple of years after World War I, he laughed about it on the radio saying, yes, we needed more recruits. And boy, that sure brought in the recruits and we told that story. Imagine he was admitting it. They were lying to the people. The German soldiers weren't like that. They weren't murdered. This was World War I. They weren't carting off Jews to murder them. They just had to march through Belgium to get to France. And maybe if Belgians put up resistance, they'd shoot them. Okay. But they weren't you know, tossing babies up and they were catching on their bayonets. It was a total lie, propaganda lie. But it had the effect necessary. The effect was that when that story came out, these evil Huns that are going through an innocent country, invading this innocent country, Belgium, uh, and, and they're murdering little babies and bayonets. Boy, a lot of young men in Canada thought, I'm going to sign up for the military. We have to go fight this. A lot of them died as a result. But the government thought, well, it's necessary. We need a big army to send along with the, the Brits there to fight the Germans. So we have to get more recruits. Well, this story should do it. In other words, propaganda is full of lies. And both sides are lying. And if you think Trump hasn't been lying these last few years, oh, my God, how he's been lying. However... There's a big difference here between the two sides. The one side is lying to you because they want to institute a new world order and they want to enslave us all and murder most of us. 
get this clear. I'll talk about, I've talked about this before in other episodes and will again in the future. That's their goal. That's like Hitler telling lies. Everything's going to be great in the future, and then he has plans that make things not so great. That's what the one side is doing. They're lying to us and with their propaganda, and they're trying to, and they're trying to enslave us and murder us. The other side is lying to us to galvanize us, to get us to be active, to rile up our emotions, our anger, so we want to fight against the globalists. And unfortunately, human beings are such that you need to do that. You need to lie to them. You need propaganda, or the people just won't do it. If the military had said several years ago, well, look, mainly we're in charge now. We're going to clean up the deep state. People at home would have said, oh, great. I don't have to read all these articles and look at all these podcasts. Oh, they're going to take care of it. But the alliance knows, and I guarantee you this once again, no whistleblower told me this, no inside contact or whatever, and no psychic ability. The alliance knows what the masses are like. And believe me, I hate to say this, when you think of the masses of people, it's like a big slug. You know how slow a slug is? It's like a big slug. The masses of people, they just adapt to the other people. They're not original thinkers on average. They don't think for themselves. They think in groups. I know the right thinks. Well, there are many more individuals on the right from what I'm seeing. But there too, it's always, you ever notice like when, when these oh, podcast channels, they always bring in Jesus Christ and and God will win in the end. And Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. Did these people ever imagine that there are a lot of good patriots that aren't Christians? How do they feel? How does maybe some Jewish guy might have had a father, grandfather, and different wars in America? And he's a patriot. He loves America. He loves the Constitution. But then every time he listens to Juan Osavin, he has to put up, well, Juan Osavin would talk about Old Testament stories, which is good because the Jews also accept the Old Testament, and so do the Muslims. That's an interesting case. But when these people go into Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, how's the Jew going to feel when people say, oh, we Christians, we Christians, that's going to alienate maybe the good Jewish patriot or the good Muslim patriot, or, and this exists too, the good agnostic or, or atheist patriot. People talk as though back in the time of, of the, the real patriots, it's another subject to have on my list to talk about in the future, uh, back 1776 and thereabouts, uh, they, they tend to think that all these people were totally like born-again Christians, like the Jimmy Carter-type Christian. They were not. Thomas Jefferson reduced the Bible to only the words of Jesus Christ. He said, that's all I need about Christianity. And he greatly respected Jesus Christ, but he didn't need all the other ballast. Well, gee, that doesn't sound like one or seven going into his long uh, uh, Bible quotes, does it now? There are others who believe Thomas Paine wasn't religious at all. But they're all great patriots. And I don't know why these groups are all, you know, Kerry Cassidy has criticized that more delicately than I do. <laughs> I had to laugh. But she would know if she listens to this, she'll know just what I'm talking about. And they really shouldn't do that. Because this is not about Christianity versus everybody else. And some are turning it into that, or they seem to be. One even said, I'm so happy as a Christian, I wish the whole world were just Christians. Well, if this man would read about the history of Christianity, how they murdered millions of people in the past, how if you dared to say 400 years ago in certain countries, you said, well, you know, maybe Jesus isn't the son of God. They would burn you at the stake. Well, you know, uh, Christianity has a kind of dark past. I'm not anti-Christian. I didn't say that. I'm not trying to imply it. But to make a, a statement like, oh, I wish everybody in the world were Christian. Meanwhile, some Muslims are saying the same thing about their religion, some Hindus saying the same thing about their religion. 
let's get away from the religious and let's recognize what this is really about. This is about pro-human being, pro-human race, pro uh, the republic, the constitution, and the sound constitutions in every country, pro-humanity against pro-dictatorship. That is one world global government with just the people at the top, the 1% control us all and dominate us all. That's what this war is about. And if you're personally religious and you pray to Jesus Christ, fine. But we don't have to, to pull it out in every opportunity. Oh, yes, Jesus and, and God will win. Well, I mean, it's a ridiculous sense anyway, because obviously he's going to win. The cards are stacked in his favor. He knows everything. He's all powerful. So it's not even worth mentioning. And that means no matter what happens, God has won. Don't these people ever consider, think of the boxcars with people herded in like animals who are being carted off to Sobibor or uh, to Dachau, to Auschwitz extermination camps during World War II. Don't you think these people prayed? And they weren't all Jews. There are many Christians there too. I'll bet they prayed more than ever. I'll bet there were atheists in those boxcars that suddenly became religious and prayed. But guess what? Most of them got murdered anyway. Well, gee, was that God winning the end? And you know, maybe it was. What did Jesus Christ say? My kingdom is not of this world. In other words, this world isn't so important. Death is not the worst thing that can, that can happen to you. But of course, in our place of fear, we might be religious, but we fear death. And so we have a strange mixture of beliefs. I'm going to talk about all of this in time. There's just so many things for now. But we're in a propaganda war. And I realize when Alliance people like 107, they mention religion, they have calculated that a certain percentage of the people on the Trump side are Christian religious. So that's what they accent. It's not that they're making a mistake there. I don't think, I don't presume to know better there. They've calculated percentages and they know this is the best way to do it. But I think it'd be good if we had more people like Kerry Cassidy that didn't mention the religious too much or people hey, I, where are all the Muslim podcasters that are good patriots because there are some out there, people that might have escaped from the regime of Saddam Hussein when he was in power or escaped from the mullahs in Iran and they went to America and they, they thank Allah, that is God, every day that they're in America and they respect the American way of life. Who's speaking for them among the patriots we typically see from before its news? Well, they're all just all talking about Jesus Christ and nothing against Jesus Christ. Oh my God, what a what a spiritual individual. I mean, let's face it, you can learn so much by listening to the words of Jesus Christ. Of course, they're often misinterpreted. What did Jesus Christ say And what at one time? Uh, you cannot attain the kingdom of heaven unless you be born again. So what did the Christians do? Oh, I'm going to go get baptized again. Well, you know, maybe that was a reference to reincarnation. Just maybe I'm going out on a limb here. In order to get to heaven, you must be born again. Maybe we're saying uh, no person will attain heaven living one time. You have to go through a cycle of lives to to purify yourself, to 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 develop spiritually from one life. And maybe he was saying that he said born again. He didn't say get baptized again. Just a little example of how almost certainly uh, modern Christians don't understand what Jesus was talking about. I will get into that in the future as well. And as you see, I'm going down a path that my wife predicted because... I've had an idea of starting a podcast channel. Mine's been around for two and a half years. But at least a year before that, I was debating internally whether I should do it. Thinking, ah, should I do a podcast channel? Should I? All the things I talk about. My wife said, well, let's be realistic here. If you do that, you're going to have a lot of people that don't like you. She said, the left is not going to like you. 
the right is not going to like you. The center is not going to like you. People that like maybe fascism, they're going to really not like you. Communists, of course, won't like you. But a lot of you know patriotists, they're not going to like you either. <laughs> because what you do, you try to get the truth of everything, and sometimes the truth isn't so comfortable. And so I finally decided to do it, my podcast channel, and I've decided not to censor myself, not to think, well, I'm not going to touch that subject. No, there are too many people doing that. I'm going to present things to you as I see them, not saying I'm certainly right. I never say 100%. If I say with near certainty, I'll explain why I say that. And I'm always open for counter ideas. And anybody disagrees with me, I'll invite them to have a debate from my podcast channel and people hear your side of it and my side of it. And that's the way it progresses. And maybe you can teach me something. Maybe I'm totally wrong on something. Fine, point it out to me. I, as I always say, I cannot lose in a debate. First of all, because I'm a brilliant debater. First of all, that I admit it. No brag, just fact. But second of all, even if I'm wrong in an opinion and the other person destroys me a debate, I have won, I've won there too because that person has educated me. I've gained something. I've come closer to the truth. And so if your goal is to come closer to the truth, that is not to just bolster your confidence in your own ideas or not to stick with your old ideas or not to only seek you know, the confirmation bias thing, not just to seek confirmation what you already believe. If your goal is to look for the truth, you won't care if somebody proves you're wrong. You will thank them for it because your goal is simply seeking the truth. You might be wrong. You might be wrong. So invite criticism. Invite debate. Because you might be wrong. And you can learn from, from others if you are wrong. I've had that happen. You say, you know, I never thought of that. You could be right here. I have no problem with that. But how many people do have a problem with it? They just want to be right at all costs. That shows they're just egocentric, uh, egoistic, and they don't care about the truth, really. So many people really don't care about the truth. And I find that sad. But I do care about the truth here. And so I'm going to talk about everything. If you don't agree with me, uh, remember, an insult is not an argument. I know one very good friend of mine. She says, you're really machista. Well, she's Spanish. You know, you're a male chauvinist. I say, well, maybe I am, but prove to me I am. Well, she can't do that. But I say, you know, an insult is not an argument. Give me good arguments. And I can, I can understand a good reasoned argument. And I might have to say, well, you know, you're right. Uh, <laughs> so think before you criticize me. But yes, I invite criticism. And that's what not just I will do. There are others that, that feel the same way, that are thankful if, if it's pointed out they've made an error. Because we should always be looking for the truth, using our imagination, tempered by sound reasoning and whenever possible by evidence, seeking evidence, actually looking at the evidence, reasoning, reasoning, always being flexible to change our ideas. As a, this is not a fixed picture. Some people will think of it as a fixed picture. Obama is bad and Trump is good. No, no, we have to be open for all kinds of evidence. This is in flux. This is, this is a flowing thing. We have to be flexible here. But we shouldn't lose sight of the goal to find out the way things really are. And yet in this phase, it's, more, it's at least as difficult as it ever was because both sides are constantly trying to manipulate us because for them, for them in this war, it's about winning the war. I knew in November 4th, 2020, the day after the election, I said, wife, wife, this means some kind of war. I was fearing a kinetic war, which could still break out, by the way. But I said, this means war. She said, why? I said, because this is the one side is not going to put up with this election fraud that was so obvious to me 
if you don't see there's election fraud, you're a total fool. I'm sorry. I talked about that in other episodes. I'll talk about that again. I'll, I'll prove it to you. Basically, logically, I'll prove it to you. I said the other side's not going to put up with it. Since then, I've had insights that show that there was not just fraud on one side, but also on the other that goes back further. I won't get into that now. Boy, that's interesting. A lot of Trump supporters won't like to hear that. But when I explain it all, I think they will like to hear it. So, uh, yeah, what you should be doing is using imagination, your reasoning, looking for evidence, and always remaining flexible. Always be willing to change this idea of yours. That I, Don't become an ideologue. I'll talk about ideologies again in the future and the danger of ideologies. I'm an enemy of ideology. And in the future, you'll hear why. If you go back to my past episodes, some of them, you'll, you'll hear why this is. Always keep the light of truth in front of you in the distance. Because believe me, the full truth will never get. We wouldn't be able to comprehend it. I don't mean in a specific situation, but in general in life, uh, the human brain isn't wired to understand the total truths out there. But we can still get closer and closer to the truth. And that's the path we should follow. That's the path that we're on in my podcast channel. And that is, my friends, the path of Socrates. Thank you so much for listening today. And I hope you will accompany me down this path the next time as well. Have a good day or night, depending on where you are at the moment. Until the next time, bye now. Thank you.